Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, everyone knows why we celebrate on the 4th of July, right? Well, prepare to be shocked by the results from a new survey about what young people do and don't know about Independence Day. Also this morning, we are often reminded to thank those who serve to protect and defend the freedoms we celebrate on the 4th of July, but the unique sacrifices of military spouses often go overlooked, and it's high time we celebrate them as well. And we have some special recipes perfect for your 4th of July cookout from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, July 1st, 2022. We are halfway through the year as of today. Six months down, six months to go. Uh, Today, if you need a reason to celebrate, as if 4th of July weekend, Independence Day weekend is not enough, it is National Postal Worker Day today. Also, National U.S. Postage Stamp Day. Honoring the first adhesive postage stamps went on sale on this day in 1847. U.S. Postage Stamp Day, National Ginger Snap Day. Today is Canada Day. We talk about the American Independence Day, uh, the Confederation of Upper and Lower Canada, and the Maritime Provinces became the Dominion of Canada with the installment of the British North America Act on this day in 1867, national holiday known as Canada Day for our neighbors to the north. So happy Canada Day. International Chicken Wing Day, American Zoo Day, Early Bird Day, International Joke Day, Second Half of the New Year Day, as we mentioned, we're halfway through, Zip Code Day. When did the zip code, uh, it wasn't like 1965, something like that, the zip codes went into effect, something along those lines. National Creative Ice Cream Flavor Day, Creative Ice Cream Flavor Day. So let your creative juices flow. Creative ice cream flavor. Uh, National Financial Freedom Day. National Television Heritage Day. Drive Your Corvette to Work Day today. And it is Comic Sans Day. Paying homage to the much maligned Comic Sans fault. Uh, font, rather. Everybody hates Comic Sans. <laughs> so... It's like the Rodney Dangerfield of fonts, Comic Sans. Also, because today is the first day of July, that means a whole new slate of celebrations begin today. It is National Hemp Month, World Watercolor Month, National Anti-Boredom Month, National Baked Bean Month, National Cell Phone Courtesy Month, National Grilling Month, National Hot Dog Month, National Ice Cream Month, Independent Retailer Month, and National Picnic Month, among others. So... That anti-boredom thing, that should not be a problem. We've got lots of things going on there. So, uh, big news. Yesterday, California became the first U.S. state to guarantee free health care under the state's Medicaid program for all low-income immigrants in California who are living in the country illegally. It will be effective By 2024, the federal government and state governments joined to provide free health care via Medicaid for low-income adults and children, but the federal government will not provide it for those who are in this country illegally. So California will. 
They use their own tax money to cover a portion of health care costs for some low-income immigrants. Um, well, many states use it to provide a portion of health care costs for some low-income immigrants. California would be the first to do it for all of them. Currently, 18 states provide prenatal care to pregnant women, regardless of their immigration status. And five states in Washington, D.C. cover health care for all children from low-income families, regardless of immigration status for children. Anthony Wright, who is executive director of Consumer Health Advocacy for Health Access California, tells the Associated Press, In California, we recognize everybody benefits when everyone is covered. However, uh, John Copel, president of the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association in the state, said providing such free health care will make California, quote, a magnet for those who are not legally authorized to enter the country, unquote. So uh, on the uh, political side of things, Governor Gavin Newsom yesterday tweeted out, this is what universal health care looks like, or this is what I, I believe he said, this is what pro-life really looks like so something along those lines so just a political jab there from the uh, from the governor so kind of interesting a uh, big travel weekend ahead of course with the fourth uh, of july holiday and actually the uh, bulk of uh, holiday travel started yesterday uh, a lot of people taking today off and with monday being the holiday get a nice long four-day weekend so uh passengers will no doubt encounter lots of travel delays because that's what happens when the skies, the airports are packed as they will be this weekend. Passengers on a recently overbooked Delta flight from Michigan to Minnesota who were willing to take a later flight hit the compensation jackpot. You know, when flights are overbooked and it's not uncommon for a flight to be overbooked, Sometimes the airlines will offer incentives for people to bump themselves to another flight if you have flexible travel plans. And so you can really uh, net a tidy sum if you are willing to be flexible. Uh, Delta offered these passengers a whopping $10,000 in cash to give up their seats. Normally... The airlines, and I don't know if, how much time you've spent in airports, if you're, you know, taking flights, and you've uh, seen this. Normally, they'll go up to five, six, seven hundred. I think I've seen seven hundred dollar flight vouchers uh, being offered to get people to give up their seats, but never, never ten thousand dollars. And I don't think I've ever uh, heard of such a thing as the airlines offering cash. Inc. Magazine tech columnist Jason Ayton was on the flight, wrote about it earlier this week, saying the flight's crew was looking for eight people to give up their seats on a one-hour flight from Grand Rapids. And uh, so that's pretty. That's a pretty uh, princely sum for missing a one-hour flight, 10K. Another person on the flight, Todd McCrum, confirmed it on social media and Fortune, uh, told Fortune Magazine that $5,000 was offered at first while passengers were still at the gate and there were no takers. $5,000 and there were no takers? I'd jump at that. After boarding began, they upped it to $7,500 and finally 10000 by the time most passengers were on board. Some people took the 10000 offer immediately, 
But uh, Mr. McCrum said it took a second announcement of the $10,000 offer and 20 minutes to get enough people to take it. (laughs) I can't believe that there were apparently people really wanted to get out of Grand Rapids, I guess. I uh, but $10,000? Sure, take my seat. No problem. 10K. Wow. Delta increased its maximum compensation for passengers on overbooked flights f- uh, to $10,000 in 2017. It had been a measly $1,300, but it is rare for the $10,000 to actually be offered, especially for a short flight. And again, in cash rather than a gift card or a travel voucher is almost unheard of. So, wow, things are really getting pretty tight at the airports for the uh, airlines at this point. It just goes to show how desperate they are uh, to you know, get people in the skies that they overbook such short flights and then that they're willing to go so far in order to, uh, to uh, get those flights full and get them off the ground. Of course, uh, the flip side of that is this story. Uh, An American Airlines passenger uh, in Denver got tired of being on hold and drove to the airport to rebook his seat. (laughs) Brian Driver said he needed to rebook his flight after a business trip ended early. So he called the American Airlines customer service line and was told several times that the lines were busy. So after spending nearly four hours on hold, he said to heck with it, took matters into his own hands and drove to the airport, which was only 45 minutes away from his hotel. He spent four hours on hold. (laughs) It was just a 45 minute drive to the airport. And he was finally able to change his flight. A spokesperson for the airline said, while hold times were long in mid-June, the wait time should now be lower. Uh, Although probably not this weekend. (laughs) And why are so many people so eager to get away? Well, because emotionally, the second year of the pandemic was even tougher on the world than the first one. This is according to Gallup's latest annual global update on the negative and positive experiences that people are having each day. And they are out with the data from 2021. They say the the year served up a steady diet of uncertainty The world became a slightly sadder, more worried, and more stressed out place than it was in 2020, which helped push Gallup's Negative Experience Index to yet another new high of 33. As it does every year, Gallup asked adults in 122 countries if they had a variety of different negative experiences and compiled the results into an index. Higher scores indicate more of the population is experiencing those emotions of sadness, worry, stress. 33. Uh, in, 2020, uh, in 2021, 4 in 10 adults said they experienced a lot of worry and stress, and slightly more than 3 in 10 experienced a lot of physical pain. More than 1 in 4 experienced sadness, and 23% experienced anger. Already at or near record highs in 2020, these levels of stress, worry, and sadness ticked even further upward in 2021 to set new records. That's why people are looking to get away, for sure. Uh, Here is the uh, latest uh, internet sensation, Google Maps. Uh, Go to, if you want to see this, go to 
Los Pesos Park in San Jose, California. Fire up Google Maps. Go to this park in San Jose, California, and you will see an image of something very unusual. A six-legged dog. <laughs> Uh, not really. It is a, uh, it is an optical illusion, I guess, uh, by the way they snap photos in a series and the dog is walking and it snaps and it gets in, in two different photos. Dog looks like it has an extra long stomach and two extra legs. Sometimes these glitches happen with hilarious results. And, uh, those images are updated every one to three years. So if you want to have fun today, check that out as the latest internet sensation. Los Pesios Park in San Jose, San Jose California. <laughs> Funny. And, uh, of course, one other uh, reminder. We were talking about this yesterday. Make sure you stay safe this 4th of July. American parents uh, generally are not taking the proper precautions to protect their children from fireworks-related burns and injuries. New survey of 2,000 parents found only one in five make sure that their children stay at least 100 feet away from fireworks. Uh, in 2020, more than 15,000 people went to the emergency room due to fireworks in injuries. They say keep your children 100 feet away from fireworks, use only legal fireworks, and light them one at a time. Uh, just some of the tips to make sure that you stay safe this holiday weekend. Again, we were talking about that yesterday, but just a uh, interesting number there to drive that point home. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sunshine expected again today with a high in the low 90s. It'll be partly cloudy tonight, a low of 68. The Hancock County Veterans Service Office is asking people to be more mindful with their fireworks over the holiday weekend. Executive Director Nicole Coleman says her office has signs that veterans can place in their yard, letting people know that a combat veteran lives there. We actually had a neighbor stop by our house because they had seen the sign in our yard to let us know that they are personally going to be doing some fireworks. And that was very helpful because now I know and I can be prepared for that and it won't startle me. Nicole says a lot of veterans struggle with the sound of fireworks, as do many people who experience any type of trauma. You can find more information about getting one of those signs on the website. The Humane Society and SPCA of Hancock County is reminding pet owners that while fireworks are fun for you, they aren't fun for your pets. If you are going somewhere to watch the fireworks, we definitely encourage you to leave your pets at home. I know you probably want to spend as much time with your pets as possible, but it is a scary time for your pets, and they will definitely thank you. The Humane Society's Natalie Reffitt is also asking pet owners to take a current picture of their pets. So if they do get loose, you can share that pic. Get more tips on keeping your pet safe during the fireworks on the website. Ohio U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown says the next month is crucial for getting the CHIPS Act passed. It's a $52 billion support package for companies like Intel, which plans to build a huge computer chip making plant in suburban Columbus. Senator Brown says the stakes are high. Intel is looking to Europe, who are making offers to them similar or in excess of what we're doing. We've got to pass this. Dave James, I'm winning news. The Finley Rotary Club has presented its Service Above Self Award. This year, the award goes to Mary Beth Hammond, who has served on numerous community organizations such as Open Arms, the Red Cross, Handbags That Help, and the Arts Partnership. 
Hammond designated a $500 contribution made in her name by the Finley Rotary Club to the Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, by the way, this is National Tire Safety Week. Perfect timing with a record number of Americans set to hit the road for the big 4th of July holiday and really anytime throughout the summer especially. And joining us this morning is Michelin tire safety expert Russell Russell Shepard with some important information on those summer road trips. Russell, how do folks get ready? What should we be doing right now to get road ready for that road trip? Sure. So first of all, thanks for having me. Two recommendations, uh, general recommendations to get ready for your next road trip. One, make sure you can see. The other is make sure you're ready to roll. So what do I mean by make sure you can see? Check your wiper blades. Uh, make sure that uh, when they operate, they don't streaks uh, and they're not making any noise. If they are, that's a good sign that it's time to replace your wiper blades. While you're at it, make sure you have plenty of wiper fluid. That's going to be critical in case you get some kind of debris on your windshields. Uh, and those two things will make sure that you have good visibility in all types of conditions. The next thing to do, again, ready to roll. Uh, what I can tell you uh, after 20 years of being a tire engineer is it all boils down to one important consideration. The only thing between you, your family, and the road are your tires. So make sure that your tires are ready to roll so that you and your family can be safe and have an enjoyable trip. So what... Uh, what are the most important things to know about uh, checking those tires and knowing uh, if they are safe for the next trip? Three things I would recommend you do uh, when you're preparing for a road trip with respect to tires. One is check your air pressure. You do this when the vehicle is cool, the tire's cool. So let it sit for a couple of hours, check your tire pressure. If you don't know what your tire pressure is, uh, look on the uh, driver's side door as it, where the door opens. There's usually a sticker there that has your tire pressure and your tire size. If you can't find it there, check your owner's manual. The second is check your tread depth. Um, there are all kinds of wear bars and ways to check your tread depth, but perhaps the simplest way to do it is called the penny test. You take a penny and put it head down into the tread so that Abraham Lincoln's head is pointing down. If you can see the top of Abe's head, it's time to check your tires. Do this in several different positions. Because if you have some one of your positions out of alignment, you can actually have different wear levels at different parts of your tire. Mm. The third thing is rotate your tires. Michelin recommends you rotate your tires every six to eight thousand miles to get even wear for your best traction and longest life. A couple of really important points there, uh, especially on checking multiple places on your tires. One spot may be fine, another spot not so much. That could indicate not just that you need new tires, but something else may be uh, going wrong as well that you need to get checked out. And then you mentioned uh, rotating the tires, also something that all too often we forget to do. Um are there if assuming that we uh, let's say we find out we need to get our tires replaced, what kind of tires uh, would you recommend for a family road trip? Is there something special we should look for? So you're in Ohio, right? You and your audience are in right. Ohio, right? And you're taking road trips now in the summer, but you'll probably take road trips uh, in the winter, right? So the only thing constant in life is what change, especially the weather. So in Ohio. 
uh, a great type of tire is an all-season tire. So that's a tire that's designed to work well um, in dry conditions, wet conditions, and winter conditions. Uh, a great example of that is the Michelin Cross Climate 2. It's uh, designed for 6,000 miles of, of wear life. It uh, provides a comfortable ride. It's got designed to channel water. If you take a look at the, the, uh, the tread, you can kind of see how it's going to channel water. Tread compound is good for, for good traction in wet conditions as well. Plus, it's winter certified. So whether you're taking a road trip in the next few weeks, next few days, or in a few months from now, you'll have a tire that's prepared for that road trip, designed for that road trip. All good advice. Anything else, uh, other suggestions or advice for uh, families before they hit the road this summer? Sure. So take a look and see if you need an oil change. If you do, that's a great time while you're in there to ask the technician to check your tires. So most technicians who change your, or to, who change your oil, they're also qualified to check your tires for wear and your tire pressure. And if you're doing it yourself, they're already probably under the car near the tires, that's a great time to check your tires in several different positions. So check it, change, uh, check your oil, change it um, as needed. And while you're at it, take a look at your tires. All real important things to do before you hit the road. Make sure you stay safe on those uh, travels. Again, Michelin tire safety expert Russell Shepard with us this morning. You've got more uh, tips and advice for travelers on your website, right? Yeah. So I can talk hours about tires. Uh, <laughs> don't have time for that. Uh, but <laughs> there are a lot of tips, tire one-on-one, even advice on uh, the right tire for your vehicle. If you're in the market for tires, you can find that at michelinman.com. Russell, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, of course, the 4th of July is about backyard cookouts and having fun with friends and family, get-togethers, and, of course, the fireworks. But the reason for the celebration is to mark Independence Day in the United States of America. Heck, everyone knows that, right? Well, you might actually be surprised. Patrick Quinn is a parenting expert with the tutoring platform Brainly. Patrick, you recently did a survey, found out that nearly half of middle and high school students don't actually know why we celebrate this weekend. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was a little surprising, you know. Um, it, we were expecting that there would be you know, a, a percentage that didn't know, but not quite that many. So it was, uh, it was, it was a little surprising to find out that so few people knew what the actual holiday was or what we were celebrating when yeah. we were shooting off the fireworks and, you know, grilling and all that stuff. A little surprising and a little shocking and almost as many don't know that there are even 50 states or that there's one star for each state on the flag. I mean, this seems like pretty basic stuff. You know, you know, something like that would have surprised me, except uh, not too long ago, I broke up an argument between two full grown adults who are arguing over whether the flag had 51 or 52 stars on it. So I had to be the one to correct them. So, uh, you know, I guess that's uh, I just found a kind of an across the board <laughs> knowledge that knowledge gap there. Uh, how, how can this be? I mean, this is when I saw some of these uh, results from this survey, uh, the first question that comes to my mind is how is this even possible? I mean, the easy thing is to point the finger at the schools, but I wonder, is it that they assume that the kids must have already learned that from their parents and are parents assuming that they're learning it from the school? Is it one of those things like everybody thinks somebody else is, you know, fill it, or letting the kids know <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, for sure. 
For uh, absolutely, I mean, I, I'm a for, I'm a former educator. I used to teach sixth, seventh, and eighth grade special ed, science, and English. So there's absolutely a portion of that in almost all parts of education. Um, the other part of it is, you know, a lot of schools aren't teaching that specifically, just because you only get so much time with your kids during the day, and they they prioritize things differently in different areas. So it could just be a thing that you know kind of gets bypassed without even realizing it. Or it could be something that's taught quickly and kids just forget, you know, kids and adults, they kind of forget what they, what was happening or what was being said. So I think it's just a combination of things. Um, but, but a lot of times these schools really, they will just have different priorities for what they're teaching. And, you know, the teachers have to sort of abide by that, by the uh, curriculum that the districts have kind of put out for them. That does, I guess, make a lot of sense that if you think, oh, my goodness, this is such basic information, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, it would be fairly easy for a student, especially uh, anyone other than the best students, to maybe miss that in the larger scheme of things because they're being overloaded with so much stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Precisely. <laughs> so so what can we do then to I mean, and there are other results uh, from this survey that uh, that show, again, a lack of what I think many people would consider some basic information about the the American Revolution and you know how it all ties into Independence Day and July 4th. And by the way, there were a fair number of people who didn't associate Independence Day and July 4th. They realized they're the same one and the same thing. Um, exactly. Yeah. So how do we then kind of help our students uh, understand our kids understand what it's all about? You know, when it, it's, it's pretty easy to start tying things into um, any of your celebrations that you're doing with your kids. You know, we used my, my kids and I, we would make these uh, red, white, and blue uh, yogurt pops for the 4th of July. So, you know, and just simple things like, like, hey, what are these colors representing? What do we do? Why, why, what are they? What, where else do we see these colors? You see them on the flag and then kind of talk them through, you know, on a low, on a low level, especially when they're younger, as to what the holiday is, you know, talk about the fact that we're not just out there to go see fireworks, but this is a celebration. It's a celebration of what's happening, what happened in our country. Um, a, a really interesting thing to do is just to point out to the kids like, hey, you know, do you guys know that over in England and Scotland, they're not, they don't celebrate the 4th of July. They don't have an Independence Day. And then that really kind of triggers the question like, well, why not? And it's like, well, because this is a holiday for our country and kind of go through that, that sort of stuff. So anything, any sort of celebrations that you're doing with your kids, it's really easy to tie in little lessons that they're able to then really connect with the day, connect with the celebrations that are happening. And then they realize, you know, it's a, it's a really tightly tied in uh, lesson for themselves. You know, I guess in the larger sense, this also speaks to the fact that sometimes, quite often, in fact, maybe the uh, parents and the schools are not always on the same page when it comes to curriculum, what the kids are learning, what they should be learning, and where they should be uh, at, at any particular point in time. This is uh, just one example that underscores uh, a larger issue uh, that that we know that we have within the education system. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, every kid is, is going to be different. They all come from different backgrounds. Their parents have different education levels. So, um, you know, just when you have your kids at home, you just try to find out what they don't know. And if they don't know certain things, then you could just help them out with that and give them those little boosts they need or, 
you know, get them working on online to help them teach themselves, which is an even better way for them to learn when they, once they get curious about something, it's great for us to, you know, promote that curiosity and get them going to help themselves to uh, expand their own knowledge. Yeah, you, you bring up such a good point uh, because a lot of times uh, parents uh, don't always uh, feel comfortable trying to help their kids learn because maybe we're not sure. How often has it been uh, that every parent has had the uh, instance where they've taken a look at their kids' homework and they say, I have no idea. Maybe at one point I knew how to do this, but I don't even know. So how can I help my kid? But uh, it, it's such a good point. All what we really can do is help them learn how to learn, how to find the answers that they're looking for, looking it up online, so on and so forth. Exactly. And I mean, you are describing to a T my relationship with mathematics. Uh, I am just, <laughs> I'm terrible at it. So when I get my daughter's, uh, uh, you know, freshman in high school math, I am absolutely lost. So, um, so it is something, you know, I don't want to try to teach the wrong way. And also, the ways that we learned in, you know, the eighties and nineties, it's a different way for them to do the math nowadays. That is very, it, it's just, it's not really a compatible thing. We can get the same answer, but it's a different method mm -hmm. that the kids are learning these days. So yeah. um, that's why I like, like with Brainly, it's a great resource for parents to be able to use. So if they don't know that stuff, they can say, Hey, jump on Brainly because then it'll be answered by kids their age and help them to, uh, to help them get to find the correct answer or, the path to the right answer, so, especially when we don't know, because then, then you don't have to feel like such a, such a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> so to circle back where we started uh, the survey on the surprising facts that we think everyone knows about Independence Day, the July 4th holiday, um, sometimes maybe it's not so obvious and maybe have that conversation with your kids, make sure that they do understand exactly what it is that we're celebrating and why you've got more information, uh, on your resources, uh, for, uh, learning and, uh, also more information on the uh, survey that we referenced on your website, right? That's right. Yeah. You can go to brainly.com and you can see like the, uh, the full, the full results of that. And then there's a, a whole bunch of other surveys that they've done throughout the years that kind of tie into, you know, different times of year or different educational uh, processes. So it's great to kind of go through that and get a broader understanding of not just what maybe your kids don't know, but what most kids don't know. And that could be something that you can turn to your kids and say, hey, did you know this yeah. many people didn't know this thing? Do you know it? Yep. <laughs> and kind and of prompt the... Uh, the questions that way, as you were saying earlier, in some cases, maybe even some adults uh, don't know. So good, good time <laughs> exactly. to re refresh our uh, all of our collective memories about what the holiday is all about. Again, Patrick Quinn, parenting expert with the tutoring platform Brainly. Patrick, thanks very much for taking the time. Happy Fourth. Thank you. You as well. So as we come up on the Independence Day holiday, we always like to take the time to thank those in the military for their service, the sacrifices they make in order to protect and ensure our freedoms. But you know who else makes sacrifices? Military spouses. Not in the same way, of course, but the very nature of military life means that it is often difficult for spouses to pursue their own career and follow their own dreams. That's what our next guest discovered. So uh, Lisa Bradley got together with one of her peers to do something about that. Uh, first of all, Lisa, kind of set the stage here. I mean, this is, you know, you grew up, go off to college, 
uh, get an MBA, then meet the man who would become your husband and suddenly become a military spouse. And you learn pretty quickly just how difficult that can make things for a spouse. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to be here. But yes, um, a very important topic is military spouse, um, really unemployment and really young military spouses joining the military like myself. I, I didn't know what I was getting into. Yeah, I thought it would be a job for my spouse and not a lifestyle for our family. I grew up in a small town and once I met my husband, I quickly realized I was going to be moving every two to three years. Yeah. Uh, so I was just starting my career and he was flourishing in his, but I, I quickly realized that that no one would want to hire me because of the multiple moves on my resume. Yeah. And, and I think it's important that we distinguish between uh, just getting a job and having a career. I mean, jobs are everywhere, but what mil- military spouses say is that finding something with purpose, something that is meaningful uh, is what they really need. Exactly. You know, I, I felt like every time I moved, I was losing a little bit of myself, you know, new community, new home, new, new medical doctors, you know, right. and you just really start to realize that, you know, a little bit of what defines you is what you do with a purpose. And when you don't have that from move to move, you really just start to see yourself having to have a new version of yourself, which can be very difficult. So you and a friend, another a military spouse get together uh, to launch a company called R Riveter, which uh, plays on the famous World War II image of Rosie the Riveter to give that opportunity, most importantly to yourselves, but also to Uh, other peers. Tell us a little bit about the story of how this got started. Yeah, absolutely. So, right. um, So many other military spouses were having the same conversation. No one would hire us. And um, really, we we thought if we're going to have something for ourselves and for other military spouses, we were going to have to create it ourselves. So we started in 2011 in an attic uh, with a sewing machine that I'm sure Rosie the Riveter used herself. (laughs) And um, we we hoisted it into the only place we could find shop to, to start our new business. And it was actually her attic above her garage. And so we both invested $2,100 into the company at the time. Most of it went into really trying to insulate the garage because it was freezing out there <laughs> uh, and really just started making uh, making a product that had a purpose. Uh, we didn't know we wanted to make handbags at the beginning. That's actually what we do is we make handbags. Um, but we, we wanted to be able to have something that could carry our story and the importance of our mission. And so now we're actually a national network of military spouses, and they make the parts and pieces to our handbag collection. Uh, and this, so they can do whenever they need to and, and be able to keep this this income opportunity. And and this really took off when you got picked to appear on Shark Tank. Yes, yes. In 2016, uh, my co-founder Cameron and I, we plunged into the Shark Tank, not knowing what was going to be the outcome. You know, I spent two weeks prepping for the show um, just you know, re-memorizing everything because we went into the a mock tank and they said, hey, we want you to redo your scaling plan. So it was it was very, very exciting and terrifying time for both of us. <laughs> but we made it through and with an investment from Mark Cuban. That is awesome. And so today, uh, this company still starts, all of your products begin, as you mentioned, with hundreds of military spouses all over the U.S., Correct. Yep. They um, are all across the country, you know, in all four corners, which is just a really a beautiful American symbolism of us coming together for one purpose. And they actually stamp every part they make with their Riveter number. And it's a really neat way to be able to go to our website and read about 
all the individuals that go into making your your handbag. Could you have imagined having that kind of not just success, but that kind of impact on so many military spouses, not unlike yourself? You know, it's it's that's what helps every day. You know, starting a company and the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, it's hard. It's not as glamorous as people think it is, but it's that purpose and that impact that helps us keep going day after day. And uh, incidentally, you are now in Columbus, but you did not start there. You actually started in Columbus, but Columbus, Montana. So quite yes, a journey. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of bring you back. I've actually lived in three of the Columbuses, uh, started in Columbus, Montana, started the company outside of Columbus, Georgia. Um, Ten moves later, I've landed here in, in Columbus, Ohio, and I, I love it here. It's <laughs> one of my favorite places. What is the message to send to people about the importance of supporting military families, not just those who wear the uniform, but those entire families whose sacrifice sometimes does go overlooked. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the first time that a a veteran in a parking lot, uh, my husband was wearing his uniform after work one day and the, the veteran came up to me and he, he actually turned to me and said, thank you for your service. And it was so impactful. It actually changed my life um, just to be able to see that recognition that although I'm not wearing the uniform, I was serving my country in a unique, unique way, too. And, you know, it can be very difficult, the lack of communication, you know, just the not knowing what is around the corner can be very stressful. And so if you can stop, especially coming up on, on this holiday and uh, reach out to a military spouse that you may know and just thank that individual for for him or her, what, what, what they do for our country as well. And where do we learn more about our Riveter? How can we uh, help support that mission? We'll go to our website at ourriveter.com, like Rosie the Riveter. And uh, we have a lot of launches and also be able to just meet the really unique individuals behind each and every one of our products. It is such a terrific story. Again, Lisa Bradley with us, uh, the uh, co-founder of Our Riveter. We'll get the link up on our webpage. Lisa, thanks very much for taking the time. Thank you very much for your service, and uh, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Be sure to remember those veterans this 4th of July. Be courteous of the uh, veterans when you're uh, setting off the fireworks. By the way, speaking of uh, which, a store employee has been charged with grand theft after allegedly stealing $14,000 in fireworks. Uh, Jessica Clark, age 33, reportedly stole the illuminations from the Four Seasons Fireworks Shop in Deland, Florida, in order to resell them. <laughs> like, $14,000 in fireworks, like, her boss was not going to notice this. Uh, she reportedly confessed to her boss that she had taken them. She was arrested and released on Tuesday afternoon after posting bond. <laughs> In honor of the 4th of July there. Speaking of uh, dumb criminals, people stealing weird things, a Florida man is accused of trying to steal a Star Wars R2-D2 statue from Walt Disney World recently. <laughs> <laughs> tried to steal an R2-D2 statue 
Again, do you think no one would notice? <laughs> and what do you do? For, is there like a big black market for this sort of thing? I suppose. I mean, I know that some people are just crazy about Star Wars and would probably uh, pay big bucks for, you know, some sort of illicit statue uh, from Disney World. The Orange County Sheriff's Office says David Proudfoot was arrested this week for allegedly impersonating a Disney World employee or cast member, as they're called, so that he could steal things from the property, including an R2-D2 statue worth a reported (laughs) $10,000. In an affidavit, uh, it says Mr. Proudfoot was caught on May 31st. Shouldn't it have been May... uh, May the 4th. Wouldn't have that been uh, more appropriate if he'd have been caught on May the 4th? But it was May 31st. He was caught pushing a cart with the R2-D2 statue out of the Swan Hotel on the Disney Park property. He reportedly identified himself as a park employee and claimed he was moving the statue to another location. Which I guess he was. He was moving it to his own home so that he could resell it. He is being charged with... (laughs) Grand theft. That's one of the more unusual thefts that we have had in the uh, broken news over the years. Staying in the Sunshine State, uh, 54-year-old Tan Ha says spirits told him to set his boss's home on fire. (laughs) Police in St. Petersburg, Florida, arrested the 54-year-old on Wednesday, after surveillance cameras caught him chaining his bicycle to a stop sign and then uh, going to his boss's house. Um, actually, it was a house that was under construction, so it was not occupied. Uh, but his, his boss's future home, he goes into the house. Then he's seen running out, unlocking his bike and pedaling away about five minutes later right before cameras showed flames coming from the house. (laughs) He is charged with arson. He claims spirits told him to set his boss's future home on fire. (laughs) What spirits would those be? Maybe he had been imbibing in some of the spirits. Maybe that's what he meant. I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm guessing uh, that would be his former boss's future home. Uh, And another uh, item here from Florida. Big day for stuff from Florida today. A 44-year-old Florida woman brought her grandchild, along with some cocaine and heroin, to a prison visit recently. (laughs) Uh, Guards searching visitors to the DeSoto Correctional Institution found nearly 100 grams of drugs on the woman, who was arrested and charged with trafficking, as well as child neglect, because she had brought her grandchild along, too. The baby was turned over to the Florida Department of Children and Families, and she doesn't have to worry about uh, when visiting hours are at the jail. She gets to stay. (laughs) But she doesn't get to keep her drugs, sadly. I know. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. This is a crazy story. This is out of uh, Coropolis, Pennsylvania. Uh... Tanisha Fisher, imagine her surprise when she discovered that a a, a strange woman had entered her home and promptly fell asleep on the couch. (laughs) 
She recalled the bizarre early morning discovery saying, I look and there's this little white girl laying on my couch. (laughs) Even worse, she said she fell asleep on a pile of clean laundry. (laughs) Ms. Fisher, of course, called police who eventually identified the intruder as Kelly Bridger, who was, yes, intoxicated, as you might guess. And she apparently picked that home because her grandmother once lived there. Uh, Ms. Fisher doesn't care if she has a connection to the home. Uh, And also, she slammed Ms. Bridger's social media attempts to make light of the situation, saying, she's making it seem like it's okay because her grandma lived there. Hey, ain't Grammy's house no more. It's my house. Uh, Ms. Fisher adds the uh, trespasser could have lost her life had a different, more trigger-happy person been living in the home, but she does face a charge of criminal trespass. I love that. Ain't Grammy's home no more. It's my house. (laughs) And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, uh, ripped from the headlines, broken news ripped from the headlines. You know, uh, with the uh, reversal of Roe v. Wade, there's been a lot of discussion uh, about... Uh, one of the one of the side discussions uh, about uh, the reversal of universal abortion rights uh, in the country has been ways to make sure that men are held more accountable for the children that they sire uh, in this country and uh, making sure that men are more responsible because, you know, it takes two to tango. Well, a hot dog restaurant in Nashville is offering a unique deal. Uh, Building on that discussion, Daddy's Dogs says men who have received a vasectomy can get a free milkshake. (laughs) It is called Snip for a Shake. And the shop says, all you have to do is bring in a note from your doctor that confirms that you have had the procedure and you'll get a free milkshake. (laughs) Well, we all do what we can do to better the world, right? There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Get out your red, white, and blue. It's the Flag City 4th of July Parade, Monday, July 4th in downtown Finley. Registration begins at Baldwin and South Main beginning at 9 a.m. At 10 a.m., it's float and bicycle judging. And at 11 a.m., the parade kicks off heading north on Main Street. It's the Flag City 4th of July Parade, Monday, July 4th, beginning at 11 a.m. This message provided by WFIN. And now a special Independence Day edition of our daily download the numbers behind the news the statistics that shape our lives and we were talking earlier about uh, the amazing things that some kids don't realize about the fourth of july and what the holiday is all about but there are probably some interesting factoids about um, american independence that you may not know from this list of statistics you know we often talk about the cost of war in terms of both dollars and lives. This is kind of interesting. And these numbers researched by the website Jalopnik in the nearly eight and a half years of the American Revolutionary War at the height of the war, 80,000 militia and Continental Army soldiers served 
uh, on our side, 56,000 British soldiers fought at the height of the war. 24,000 British soldiers were killed during the course of the war. 25,000 revolutionary soldiers died during the war, but only 8,000 of those from wounds inflicted in battle. Uh, The rest primarily from disease and things like that. Kind of interesting. Did you know, I did not know this, about 100,000 loyalists in America fled to Canada, the Bahamas, and England during the war. And that is because while 45% of colonists were all in on American uh, independence, 20% of colonists were outright loyal to Britain. And so a lot of those left. And it was not easy being a soldier in the Revolutionary War. The length of the standard Continental Army flintlock musket, five feet, and it weighed 10 pounds. And the uh, musket balls weighed one ounce each. So if you were carrying a lot of ammo and your musket, that was, I mean, that was a lot of weight to be carrying around in those heavy wool uniforms. In all, this is also kind of interesting, 6.5% of the American population participated in the war effort. 6.5%. And for some perspective, that is a higher participation rate than in any modern American war outside of World War II. And those soldiers ranged in age from 57 on the upper end, which was very old for that time 57 on the upper end all the way down to age 10 the youngest known member of the continental army wow and in terms of the cost of the war in dollars 151 million dollars is what it cost to earn our independence or roughly 600 dollars per person for each american uh at the time there are about 3 million americans at the time And did you know that today, 26 original copies of the Declaration of Independence are known to exist? Of course, every Friday, we like to finish up the week with a collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. My wife Kyra has joined us, and of course, this is a big weekend for... Uh, recipes, cooking out on the grill, and yes. uh, all of that. These are not grilling recipes. Well, the, the one you can. You so can? The first one. Yeah. yeah. You can actually... Uh, yeah, just wait and see. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> I looked at this and I thought, oh, you're not using the, the grill for your brats. But, uh, all right. Okay. I have an idea. Ah. All right. <laughs> So, uh, but 4th of July, going to be a a busy one for gatherings and so on. So we have some great recipes, perfect for your Independence Day celebration and your gatherings. And we begin with a recipe for slow cooker beer brats and caramelized onions. Yes. Mm. So four small yellow onions, a quarter cup of butter, 
two 12-ounce uh, cans of beer, uh, 12 brats, a quarter cup of Dijon mustard, quarter cup of ketchup, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, one tablespoon of packed brown sugar, one teaspoon of honey, one teaspoon of Worcestershire sauce, one teaspoon of lemon juice, a quarter teaspoon of packed brica, uh, one eighth teaspoon of ground powder or garlic powder, ground garlic powder, uh, one eighth teaspoon of co- kosher salt, one eighth teaspoon of pepper, and a quarter teaspoon of hot sauce. Okay. And the hot sauce is optional. You don't have right. to do yeah, that if, if you, you don't, don't like uh, your yeah. your brats hot. Yep. But. Yep. Some people do. Some people don't. So slice onions into thin rings. Uh, then in a medium sized pan, saute your uh, onions in butter until softened for about five minutes or so. Uh, remove your onions from the pan and place in the crock pot. Set aside the pan. You're going to use it later. Uh, in a mixing bowl, combine your Dijon mustard, your ketchup, your vinegar, your brown sugar, and your honey. Uh, your Worcestershire sauce, your lemon juice, paprika, um, all your seasonings, and if your hot sauce if you want. You want to add a little kick to it. Yep. yep. Uh, mix well and set aside. Add the sauce and the brats to the crock pot and stir to combi- combine. Pour the um, beer over top and then turn on your crock pot on low and cook on on uh, cook for about six to seven hours, okay. uh, five Um if you want, you can cook it like four to five, mm-hmm. and then the process at the end, put the brats on the grill. A lot of people will yeah. cook their brats before they put them on the grill, so this gives some extra taste, and then put it on the grill to give I see. Some so more cut a couple of taste. hours. So cut a yeah. couple of hours off of right. the crock pot, right? And then take those out, onions and all. No, no, just okay. the sausages, and then the onions. Then you can keep those in the crock pot, and then put those on top of your sandwich. Okay. All right. So there you go, the slow cooker uh, beer brats and caramelized onions. Yes. Mm, that does sound delicious. because yeah. We're doing it on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. We'll look forward to that. Uh, then to go along, you've got a side of Frito corn salad. Yes. So 12-ounce bag of frozen corn kernels thawed, two cups of grated cheddar cheese, a half a cup of uh, red onion finely diced, one cup one can of black beans drained and rinsed, a cup of mayonnaise, and your 10-point ounce uh, bag of chili cheese Fritos. Okay. So in a large bowl, combine your corn, your cheese, your beans, and your onions. Add the mayonnaise and stir until thoroughly combined. Just, and just before serving, crush up your... Um, uh, Fritos just a little bit, add that to it, mix it up, and serve. There you go. And you mentioned in the recipe it calls for chili cheese Fritos. Yeah, you, you could, could use, probably use yeah. any variety you could use regular of Fritos. Fritos. Yeah. Regular Fritos yep. or any of the other varieties mm-hmm. that you want, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever kind of flavor that you want. Yep. You can try them all. Yes. For that matter. And uh, the Frito corn salad is pretty doggone easy uh, to do as well. And then for dessert, You've got a recipe for orange creamsicle cupcakes. Yes. I love orange creamsicles. I so know. <laughs> there we go. Looking forward to this, too. <laughs> for the cupcakes, it's uh, one box of white cake mix, two eggs, quarter cup of vegetable oil, one cup of orange crushed soda, or any type of 
of orange soda. Right. Uh, five tablespoons of orange jello mix, just the mix, your powder. Okay. So then for the frosting, it's one cup butter softened, three cups powdered sugar, one to three tablespoons of, of your orange pop, and two tablespoons of your jello mix powder. Okay. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees, line a cupcake pan with your paper paper liners um in and if you don't have paper liners that's fine just grease up your your cupcake pans you can do it that way too mm-hmm. so uh in a large bowl combine your cake mix your eggs your vegetable oil your jello mix and your pop uh stir until just combined uh fill liners about three-fourths way full and bake for 18 to 20 minutes um until a or until a toothpick comes out clean right or what i do is i just kind of press the middle of it and if it comes right back up then they're done okay so uh cool completely then for your frosting whip your butter until light and fluffy stir in your jello mix uh gradually add your powdered sugar a little at a time so your powdered sugar doesn't go everywhere i do that a lot (laughs) (laughs) stir in your uh pop and um as needed uh, until you reach your desired consistency. Um, so depending on the weather, you might not need as much of the pop mm-hmm. um, or you may need all of it. So it may be a little bit more. Just depends on your weather and what's going on. And then uh, use the um, uh, a knife or a piping bag to put it on your cupcakes and you're all done. There you go. So the orange creamsicle cupcakes for dessert after you have your slow cooker beer brats and caramelized onions and your Frito corn salad. Yes. And you will be all set. That is a terrific menu for your 4th of July gathering. I thought that so. Is, <laughs> that is really good stuff. And uh, you can find those recipes on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. We also have them uh, shared on the WFIN Facebook page and linked up at goodmornings.net. So you can find those. And while you're on the uh, Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, like that page, and you can share your own favorite uh, 4th of July recipes that you'll be sharing with uh, your Mm -hmm. friends and family for your gatherings this weekend. We're going to have a couple of them this weekend. So looking forward to it. Party, Uh, party, party. Yeah, great uh, holiday weekend. Some great stuff there (laughs) from Kyra's Kitchen. My wife, Kyra. Thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program as always. And remember, you can get more information on all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. So check it out at goodmornings.net. No podcast on Monday, of course, for the Independence Day holiday. And coming up on Tuesday, they come from all over for the annual Flag City Daylily Tour. We have a preview of this year's Garden Showcase event. So until Tuesday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. Happy Fourth of July, and we'll catch you back here next week.